Well, good morning, Life Fellowship. It's good to see you here this morning. Turn in your Bibles to Galatians 4. Galatians 4.21 is where we're going to be this morning. Before I begin on my, in my sermon, I wanted to just briefly address, uh, you know, I, we don't talk about money a lot here usually at Life Fellowship, at least during the services, but I want to let you know that we are coming up at the end of July, so about two months left, is the end of our fiscal year. And we have done really well this year. We're actually giving a little bit above where we were last year, but we're not yet where we want to be to finish out our fiscal year. And so we're about, about $100,000 short of where we'd like to be when we close out at the end of July. And uh, first, let me just say this. If you give and you give regularly and you give abundantly out of a gracious heart, let me just say thank you for doing that. We are so grateful. Uh, But maybe you're sitting there, maybe you've never given before, maybe you give sporadically. Um, And and I want to encourage you to give for a number of reasons. Number one, you know, one of the things we have a lot of initiatives we're trying to do, uh, we've been emphasizing this prayer and evangelism. We've got plans for next year. I can't tell you about yet, but I'm super excited about um, but every time that you give, it goes, to, it goes to those kinds of missional efforts. And the more that people are generous, the more opportunities we have to, to engage with our community. The other reason is, you know, we've, we shared this at our family meeting a few months ago, but we've been fairly aggressive at, at paying down the debt on this building. We don't believe that God wants us to be in debt. And, and the more, more that we can be aggressive towards that, uh, we want to encourage you to do that so that we can continue to be aggressively paying down our debt. And then just finally, it just helps us to prepare for next year as we plan. We're in the midst of really finalizing the budget right now. And as we, as, as you guys give, it helps us project where we think we can go and do more things for the cause of Christ next year. So I want to just encourage you to do that. Prayerfully consider giving uh, to help us meet that, that gap where we are right now. Uh, so let's get into Galatians 4. Galatians 4 is a passage of scripture that's a giant illustration of that, that Paul gives in his argument here. He, remember, he took last week, we talked about the, this idea of this, this detour of Paul sharing his heart with them. Um, but we're going to get into this, this conversation again about slavery. Now, I, I remember a number of years ago, again, when I took our children around, my wife and I took our children to visit a lot of different historical things across the, the nation. We t- when we took a trip one time down to Charleston, we took them to the see this plantation. And I remember taking them through this area where the slave houses were. And I wanted them to see and experience uh, to a limited extent, like what that would have been like. And I remember at the bookstore after we were done with the tour, uh, I bought this book. I thought it was a very unique uh, book. It was a book that was written in the 1930s, during the Great Depression, when people were looking for jobs, all the government had, the U.S. government had all these federalized programs. And so all these writers that were out of work, they paid scores of writers to canvas the nation in the mid-1930s to canvas the people that had experienced slavery. And so this book was a collection of their stories. If you think about it, during the time they commissioned it, it was about 70 years after the slaves had been set free. And so this was a, a federal project to say, we don't want to lose the firsthand accounts of what people experienced in slavery. And I remember getting that book and reading some of the stories to my kids, just reading it personally, just to learn, to see what it would have been like and to hear firsthand accounts of what slavery was like. But I got to be honest with you, as I'm reading it, it, it felt distant. It felt otherworldly. 
And, and so when we think about slavery and freedom today, most of us as Americans, we, 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 I mean, we're a month away from July 4th. We think, of, we think of our own freedom. We think of we're a free people. We're a free nation. And I don't want to get in political of how, people free, free, how, how free we think we are right now. But let me just say this. If I was to ask you, raise your hands, how many of you have ever experienced slavery? How many of you would raise your hand? Probably no one, Right? I, though slavery still exists in our in our in in the corners of our world in certain places, it's it's really we don't think about it often. But one of the things that Paul is talking about here, when he talks about freedom and slavery, is he's talking about slavery in a different way than what it's social slavery, right? He's going to introduce this idea of spiritual slavery, something that, believe it or not, every single one of us in this room was born a slave. You were born a slave. The Bible teaches that there are many different things that we are, we are born into. We are born into a slavery of sin, the condemnation of sin, right? But, uh, Jesus is the first one to talk about this in John chapter 8. We're born under the slavery of, of as it mentions earlier in Galatians 4, of elementary principles. This is this idea of, of spiritual forces of darkness, Ephesians 2 talks about how we are, we are children of disobedience, that we are enslaved to these spiritual forces and powers in the world. And then this third kind of slavery that we're born into is we're born under the law. We're born in this system by which we are told you, you are called to a higher standard to live righteously before God. And it's a standard that none of us can live by. And so Paul introduces this idea of slavery. I can imagine those of us that are sitting here and we're thinking, well, slavery, that's just not, that's not me. Think about how the Galatian churches would have read and received this letter. He would have, they would have read this letter and, and, and in that room would have been people who were slaves, right? Because in the Greco-Roman world, that slavery was just a part of life. And so sometimes people were born into slavery. Sometimes people were captured as, uh, you know, Nations were conquered and brought into the Roman Empire. That was a cause for slavery. But in this room were people who were free and who were slaves. And Paul was going to bring this idea that, listen, maybe you're a slave and culturally, but you are free in Christ. Or maybe you are free culturally, but you are a slave to sin. This idea of freedom and slavery is something that I think we cannot, we cannot minimize. Because even though we might say, hey, I'm, I'm free, I'm American, I live in the freest country and the nation or the history of, of the world. Listen, if you are alive, if you are born into this world, if you have a soul that you are, you have experienced slavery at some level. And it's this last verse in this text that we just read this morning. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. What Paul gives to us in this final verse, in this section, is there is a choice before us. There is a choice of freedom or there is a choice of slavery. And if you know anything about slavery, you know that most people who are slaves do not have a choice. But yet in this realm of spiritual slavery, because of what Jesus Christ did for us through his death, burial, and resurrection, conquering sin and death, he provides an opportunity to now choose freedom. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Main idea I want to leave you with this morning is this. Choose freedom and stand firm.
Choose freedom and stand firm. That's the message that Paul was giving to to this church. That's the message that's for us today. There is a greater and deeper slavery that that every one of us as, as, as humankind find ourselves in, but there's also a deeper and greater freedom than what any of us are experiencing as Americans. It's the freedom that we can have in Jesus Christ. So let's, let's read this passage. I'm going to read the first verses 21 through 27. We didn't, you didn't hear that read this morning in the section, but I want to read it for you now. Paul is going, again, he took this detour of relationship, and now he's getting back to his argument that concluded in verse 11. Remember, uh, Andy talked about this a couple weeks ago, how there's this idea we can either be you know, sons or slaves. We can be heirs of that promise, or we can fall back into slavery. And so he's going to continue this argument, and he's going to use an illustration from the Old Testament in Genesis 16 between the story of Abraham, Hagar, and Sarah. So let's read in verse 21 down to verse 27. Tell me, you who desire to be under the law, do you not listen to the law? For it is written that Abraham had two sons, one by a slave woman and one by a free woman. But the son of the slave was born according to the flesh, while the son of the free woman was born through promise. Now this may be interpreted allegorically. These women are two covenants. One is from Mount Sinai bearing children for slavery. She is Hagar. Now Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia. She corresponds to the present Jerusalem, for she is in slavery with her children. But the Jerusalem above is free. And she is our mother, for it is written, Rejoice, O barren one, who does not bear. Break forth and cry aloud, you who are not in labor. For the children of the desolate one will be more than those of the one who has a husband. Now, this is a very unique passage of Scripture for a number of reasons. Number one, most of the, this is the only time in the entire Bible that Paul interprets, or doesn't really interpret, but takes an Old Testament story and allegorizes it. Now, allegory is this way of almost, it's a type of typology where you take an Old Testament story and you say, well, this can mean this and this represents this. Let me just say this off the bat. I would not recommend this being a a normal way of interpreting scripture. Okay, Paul is under 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 the inspiration of the Holy Spirit is using this in an allegorical way. And the reason why he's using this in an allegorical way most likely is because the Judaizers who were going into the church in churches in Galatia were using this story to propagate their message. So what Paul's doing is he's saying, I know you heard the story of Abraham and, or, or, or Sarah and Hagar. And the Judaizers were saying, listen, if you want to follow the way of Abraham, you, like Isaac, the son of promise, then you've got to follow the law. And you don't want to be like Hagar who was cast out. Well, Paul takes that story and says, no, let me just tell you something. It's not, it's not those who follow the law that are the, the children of promise like Isaac. No, it's those are like Hagar. And so he's using this as an illustration exactly the way they use it. And again, Paul is, is, is showing there are two options here. If we're going to choose freedom and stand firm, one of the things we've got to do is we've got to learn that you and I have options Paul's making very clear the options between slavery and freedom. And he does that through this text. He again, he shows these two options. He says, listen, you can either, you can be, uh, you know, Abraham had two sons, the slave woman or the free woman. 
right? You could be the son of, son of the free woman, son of promise, or the son of the flesh. And, and so he goes on and he's, he's drawing this, this, uh, these parallels between these two options. And he, and he continues to go down and he says, one is Mount Sinai, verse 24, these women are two covenants. What are the two covenants he's talking about? One is the Mosaic covenant, and one is the Abrahamic covenant. Now, a few weeks ago when I preached on the end of Galatians 4, or Galatians 3, we talked about the Abrahamic covenant, how it was this promise that God gave Abraham, says, I'm going to bless the world through you. And it was the promise, the Abrahamic covenant, the promise of blessing that Jesus Christ fulfilled. That this new covenant that Jesus instituted, this covenant of blessing, the promise fulfilled that, that he gave to Abraham in Genesis 15, Jesus accomplished it. Well, the other covenant is the Mosaic covenant. That is a covenant that was given to the nation of Israel, but it was also a conditional covenant that said this, if you obey, you can stay in the land. You will receive my blessings. But if you disobey, bad things are going to happen. And so, what Paul's saying is these two women are the two covenants. And if you choose to put yourself and say, hey, I want to follow the law, you're putting yourself the same thing that happened to Hagar. That's the way of that covenant. And so he's showing these two options of freedom and slavery. And then in verse 27, he quotes Isaiah 54, verse 1. Now, there's a reason why he quotes this passage. Because in the reading, if you because most of us, I'm not sure how many of us have grown up Jewish, but in Jewish synagogues, uh, I remember I shared with you a few months ago, I went to a Jewish synagogue for one of my classes and got to experience it. And it's, it's a couple hour ordeal. You know, they, they don't care about being contemporary at all. I mean, they do things by the way they've done them for hundreds, if not thousands of years. And let me just say, they read so much scripture in those two hours that I was there for that service. They probably read more Bible in, in that one service that I went to at that synagogue, then entire three months of most evangelical churches. We typically read a section and then we preach about it. They read, they read for, for almost an hour and then a tiny little bit of human, human interjection here and there. But one of the things that you do when you go to synagogue is they have readings from the Torah, the first five books of the Bible. They have readings uh, that correspond to that for, from the prophets and then readings from the writings, the three sections of the Old Testament. And so what's interesting is when it comes to the readings, when, when Genesis 16 is read, they, all, they always read Isaiah 54. And again, it's corresponding to this idea of the barren woman and the woman who's, gonna, uh, the woman who's having children, the woman who's, who's going to have children. It says, Rejoice, O barren one who does not bear. Break forth and cry aloud, you who are not in labor. For the children of the desolate one will be more than those... Of the, of the one who has a husband. Now, this corresponds to the fulfillment, what they said was referring back to Sarah. But what Paul is saying, he's saying, listen, the one who's, who's about to have more children than the one who had prior is the children of Christ, the children of this new covenant that Christ is coming. The, that old way, the way of the law, that's the old one that's bore children. But there's this new people, there's a new nation that God is creating in Christ. Go that direction. Don't go to slavery, go to freedom. And so you have these two pictures here, slavery and freedom. Okay, so what does that do with us? How do we handle this? Well, let's stop right now and think about these two options between freedom and slavery that Paul's talking about. What is it about 
slavery that makes slavery slavery. It has to do with authority. It has to do with control. Every single group or people group or person that's, in, that's under slavery has an authority over them that controls their life, right? That's what slavery does. That's what slavery is. So when, when Paul sets, he's corresponding this, this idea of slavery, what he's showing is, listen, there is something, there are some, there's controls, there's powers over your life, there's authorities over your life that you have to be aware of. And I mentioned them earlier. The three powers that all of us are born into is sin, spiritual powers, and the law. And the reason why we say sin is because there's something about sin that we are held captive. Oh, sin keeps us in bondage. And, and this idea that, that, that what we do with our lives, that these urges that we have, that that's slavery. You know, when you think about what people, when you ask people today, young people today, and I don't mean to pick on young people, but I've asked this question for, for young people a lot, and I think you get a different answer the older you get. But if you ask a young person, what is freedom? What they will say to you is, freedom means I get to do what I want, right? That doing what you want, do, living according to your urges is not freedom. In fact, there's a great passage of scripture I want to show you in 2 Peter chapter 2. 2 Peter chapter 2 talks about people that say that I have, I have freedom to do whatever I want, but yet what does, it, what does just living according to your urges mean? This is what it says, for speaking loud boasts of folly. This is talking about false prophets. They entice you by sensual passions of the flesh, those who are barely escaping from those who live in error. They promise them freedom but they themselves are slaves of corruption. For whatever overcomes a person, to that he is enslaved. See, slavery can look like a lot of things. Slavery can look like I have to have my caffeine in the morning. Okay? That can be slavery for some people. For some people, it's I have to watch my show. For some people, it's I have to have that drink. For other people, as I have to, I, no, they're using the sensual passions. This is what's permeating our cultures. Listen, the sexual revolution that started five decades ago or seven, or seven decades ago, whatever it was, promised sexual freedom. And what it has only brought our nation and our culture is sexual bondage. See, whatever, if I just live according to my urges, that's not freedom, that's bondage. And there's a, there's a slavery to, this, to these powers in our life. And he's using this, and it's not just sin. We kind of get slavery to sin. What we don't really understand is this slavery to the law. What does it mean to be a slave to the law? What slavery to the law means is this, that I, I am compelled, that I've been given this, this idea, this system, that if I perform, and it, it could be anything. It could be, and for the Ju Judaizers, it was the Old Testament law. But it could be any religion. It could be any system that man creates that says, hey, if you do these things, you will be accepted. You will be free. And what Paul is saying is this way of living is bondage. It's not freedom. Because you are still, there's still control over your life. You know, there, there's a, Dan and I, this past week, we recorded two podcast episodes on this new docu-series that's out on Amazon Prime called Shiny Happy People. I'm not sure how many of you have, have seen it recently. It's a fascinating documentary 
on the Duggars and, and the, the Bill Gothard movement. And, uh, you know, I remember years ago watching that show with my kids. And, and so Dan and I discussed this. Uh, I won't go into this in detail, but, but if you watch this, the documentary, you understand that people can take the name of God and take the name of Jesus and take the Bible and they can draw principles out of it and it can look like slavery. External standards. You've got to live this way. Zero choice and freedom of what, of what you get a chance to say or do anything. And, and, and one of the things that, that what, what, how we know what freedom is compared to slavery, it doesn't, it doesn't, freedom doesn't mean, hey, I'm, I can do whatever I want. Freedom means I get the opportunity to fulfill the calling that God has for my life. That's what freedom, what freedom is talking about in this context, that he's saying for freedom, Christ has set us free. He's saying, I've set you free from those masters. I've set you free from those powers. I've set you free from all these things in your life that control you, that dominate your life, that you feel like all this, your struggle with sin, I want to stop sinning, but I keep falling back into sin. What is that? That's slavery. Yeah, I, I want to, I want, God, I want to enjoy you, but I still live under this dominion or this authority of perform for acceptance. And so what, what Paul is doing is he's making sure that there are two options, that the, and the options are clear before these people. You can either choose slavery or you can choose freedom, but you can only pick one. And so not only do we have to know the options, this leads us to our second point, you got to pick a side. It's important to understand that before every single human being, every single one of us, if we're going to choose freedom and stand firm in the gospel, the pure gospel, you got to understand what freedom is and you got to understand what slavery is. And if we have not, if we have not embraced Christ as our Savior, we're still slaves. We're still slaves under the law. We're still slaves under spiritual powers and we're still slaves under sin. And what Paul is doing is he's inviting them, saying, listen, pick a side. Look at verse 28 through verse 31. Now you brothers, like Isaac, are children of promise. But just as at that time, he who was born according to the flesh persecuted him who was born according to the spirit, so also it is now. What is he saying? What is Paul saying? He's saying, listen, if you go all the way back to Genesis, uh, the book of Genesis, when, when Abraham has, first he has Ishmael according to his own way, and then eventually he has Isaac. And I don't get into the details of that story, but God says, no, you took matters in your own hand with, with sleeping with Hagar, marrying her and bearing a child through her. My promise was through Sarah. And so finally God gives Sarah a child at 90 years of age, and she bears this child, Isaac, and that's the child of promise. But as these two children grew up, there was a point in the, God, in, in the biblical narrative where Ishmael starts teasing. We don't know necessarily what he was doing, but he was doing something to belittle Isaac. And Sarah was like, hey, you can't, these two boys cannot be in the same, under the same roof. If he's going to receive the inheritance and the promise and the blessing, they can't be here. And so Abraham sends Hagar away. And that's exactly what he says, what Paul says is happening now, that these Judaizers are playing the role of Ishmael teasing Isaac, be persecuting Isaac, the true way of the gospel. 
Look what it says in verse 30. But what does the scripture say? Cast out the slave woman and her son, for the son of the slave woman shall not inherit with the son of the free woman. So brothers, we are not children of the slave, but of the free woman. One of the things that I love about Paul is that Paul is always addressing the the issue at hand and throughout the entire letter. Paul has been doing something very clearly. He's been basically saying, you've got two options, now pick a side. You have the option to pick the true gospel or the false gospel. You have the option of putting your faith, that salvation, that justification is by faith or justification is by works. You can choose, you can choose the law or you can choose grace. You can be a son or you can be a slave. You can choose freedom or it can be bond and slavery, but you have to pick a side. Listen, this is one of these black and white arguments that the gospel is black and white. There's no in-between. There's no in-between of the gospel. You know, we live in a world where I think, we live in a world, in a society that we love to emphasize the gray. And there are gray issues in life, right? Like, what do you think about carbs? I used an illustration last last uh, service, but I said Italian food. And I said, some people like Italian food, some people don't like it. Some, some people like it, some people don't like it. And then I offended some Italian uh, Americans in our, in our congregation. But, but, but listen, it, there's so many things in life that are just, yeah, how do you feel about it? It's preference. Now, how are you going to decorate your house? How are you going to, you know, how, how are you going to raise your kids? What kind of education are you going to give them? What style of music do you want to listen to? What kind of style of worship music do you like to sing to? There's a lot of gray in life, right? How do you like to spend your vacation? Do you like to sit on the beach and do nothing? Or do you like to run around and do a bunch of stuff? See, there's, there's gray in life. And what happens is because there's a lot of it, hey, that's, that's your preference. That's what you like. We, the moment we bring that kind of ideation into truth, into the gospel, that's where we become corrupt. The gospel is not, hey, that's good for you. Now I'm going to do what's good for me. No, there is a right and there is a wrong. There is a truth and there is an error. And there is no in-between when it comes to the gospel. There's one faith, one Lord, one baptism, one truth. That's it. And we've got to decide, am I picking the side? I'm not going to straddle the fence of, oh yeah, I like Jesus, but I also want to please people over here. I mean, and so we kind of, we kind of like play both ends. And one of the things that my, my wife and I did over the last couple of weeks, two weeks ago, we went to uh, Virginia for my, my parents celebrated their 50th wedding anniversary. And we, we drove through Charlottesville. Whenever we drive through Charlottesville, I know my wife loves visiting Monticello. And so our, we as our family, we did this. We visited Monticello again, first time in a number of years since they were kids. And and I, I love history. I love reading about history. I've read a number of biographies about Thomas Jefferson. And just this last time, I was reminded of what a complex figure Thomas Jefferson was. Because as much as, as he was this brilliant mind, an incredible writer and communicator, uh, there, there, he wrote things, of the, I mean, he helped write the Declaration of Independence, right? That all men are created equal and they are given a certain inalienable rights by their creator to pursue life, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. T- 
Thomas Jefferson wrote those things and yet owned hundreds of slaves. He's, he's a complex figure. And even, it's not just that. You should, some of the things he wrote about slavery, how it's a national evil, it's a, it's a mark, it's a curse on our nation. And yet when he died, out of the hundreds of slaves he owned, he only released seven of them. Thomas Jefferson, was, you know, when I think about him and when it comes to the issue of slavery, pick a side. We, we either are all created equal under the side of God or we're not. But yet his life, he wrote certain things that his life did not back up. And, and my, my, my concern is this, that for many of us, we come into church and we agree and nod our heads, there's only one gospel, there's only one gospel. Yes, gospel, gospel, gospel. And yet we still live like we're under the law. Or we still live like, like we're in bondage to sin. The reason why this is so important, the reason why we have to pick a side, and the reason why Paul is setting this up to understand how free we are in Christ, not only from sin and from evil, but also the law, is because he's gonna, we're about to get into this territory of, okay, Ben, if you're telling me there's no list, we don't have the 613 laws that are going to keep us in line with God to make sure that we're going to do what he wants us to do. If you're saying that the law, we don't need the law anymore, then, then how are we going to obey God? How do we know what to do? And Paul is going to introduce this concept of the Spirit, that now we have the Holy Spirit, and the Spirit is so much greater than the law. Because following Christ and walking in the freedom of the gospel is way more than 613 laws. It's about every single decision. It's about the fruit of the Spirit. It's, it's not just about 613 decisions. It's about thousands and tens of thousands of little things. It's not just how we live it out. It's about our heart and our minds and our souls. If we don't understand the freedom that the gospel brings to us, the freedom that Christ has set us free, and we believe that it's the law that makes us acceptable. That I've got, whether it's the 613 rules or it's my own list of rules that I'm going to do that make God look at me with different eyes, then I am enslaved to a list. And we, we walk in here to, this, to, this, you know, to these church services every Sunday, and we sing these songs. And then that last song we sang, I'll tell you what, I, I, was, I woke up singing The Blood of Jesus Speaks for Me. So God, the Holy Spirit, I've been giving me some vibes this morning, people. I didn't even know Jason was going to sing that song this morning, but we sang the, the blood of Jesus speaks for me. When you walk into this room, what do you think? What, do, what voices do you hear? Do you hear the voice of, well, you weren't very godly this week? Do you hear the voices of, of look at all the things that you've done wrong this week? Or do you hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. Do you hear the voice of God say, no, the blood of Jesus is over you. Worship boldly. Worship confidently. What makes you and I acceptable before God is not what we do. What makes us acceptable before God is that we put our faith and our trust in Jesus Christ. We put our faith and trust in what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross. He's the one that delivered us. The very, from the very first, very first section of this book, Galatians chapter 1, verse 4, one of the things that Paul uses is this word that he has delivered us from this present evil age. That word deliverance is a word that, that referred, it's related to slavery. 
Because if, some, if there's a slave that is freed, they use the word that he used there. From the very beginning, Paul's using this theme of slavery and freedom. And he's saying, for freedom, Christ has set you free. So choose freedom. Choose the gospel. Choose Jesus. That's number two. And that leads us finally to number three. Don't go backwards. As much as we have these two options before us and much as we can choose, we need to choose a side, Paul reminds us that just picking a side is not always easy to stay on that side. Look again what he says in chapter 5, verse 1. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Paul's saying, don't go backwards. Don't go backwards to the law. Don't go backwards to sin. If you have been set free in Christ, it's for freedom Christ set you free. You no longer have this dominion over you that says, hey, you've got to obey all 613 of these laws. You've got to be circumcised. You've got to do these things in order for God to love you. What we have to do is we have to remember the fullness of the love of God for us through Jesus Christ. We pick that side because of his love. And the moment we forget about the love of God, the moment we forget about his grace, the moment we forget about his mercy, we have an opportunity to say, you know what, I'm going to drift back. And Paul says, gives, this, gives this, these, two, this, these two simple words, stand firm. Stand firm. It's actually one word in the Greek. And this is an idea that Paul gives a lot in his writings. He, this is not the only time he uses it, but he uses it typically towards the end of his letters. I want, you to show, I want to show you uh, four other times when Paul uses the same exact word in some of his writings. The first one we see is in 1 Corinthians 16. Be watchful. Stand firm. There's that word again. Stand firm in the faith. Act like men. Be strong. Man, that verse will preach. Amen. Stand firm in the faith. Philippians 4.1. Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. 1 Thessalonians 3, for now we live. If you are standing fast in the Lord, 2 Thessalonians 2.15, so then, brothers, stand firm and hold to the traditions that you were taught by us, either by our spoken word or by our letter. Stand firm, stand firm, stand firm. What is, why is Paul saying this? Because as much as we get encouraged here to believe the gospel, to, to understand what the truth is, to understand our freedom in Christ, when we walk out of these, these doors, we will come under the influences of the world. The world, the flesh, and the devil will attack you from inside of you and outside of you to pull you back into a sense of slavery to pull you back into an old way of life, to pull you back into an old, old way of thinking. And you know why that he says that we got to be careful? Because it's so easy and it's so comfortable to do that sometimes. You know, as I was reading these stories in, in the book that I, I mentioned at the beginning of my sermon, there were some stories of incredible, you know, freedom and these people that what they were able to accomplish with the freedom that they had won. But the saddest stories for me in the book that I read were the stories of people that had experienced, that were given their freedom. But after 70 years of freedom, do you know what they said? You know what they, they share with these writers who are collecting their stories? I wish I could go back 
to slavery because life was easier back then. Think about that. And it's not just, it's, it wasn't just the, the, the African-Americans that, were, that shared some of those stories. We see that same thing happened in the Word of God in the book of Exodus, that generation that left Egypt. For the next 40 years after they left Egypt, what do they kept wanting to say? Let's go back. I want to go back. I want to go back. It's so comfortable. Slavery can be comfortable. You know, there's, there's a, one of my favorite movies is The Shawshank Redemption. One of the things about the, the end, the, towards the end of that movie, there's, there's two people that leave prison. They get, they get paroled later on in their life. And the man who plays Morgan Freeman, you know, they talk about the struggle of these men who had spent decades in the prison. And what they felt is they, they felt so uncomfortable with freedom that, that they wanted to do something to get back to what was comfortable and what felt, you know, safe for them. Listen, for some, this is a real problem. Going backwards is potential, is a problem for all of us. You can be set free in Christ and still live as if you are in bondage to sin. Doesn't mean that you don't have the power. Doesn't mean you don't have the ability. Doesn't mean you have the, the you've lacked the capability of rejecting all sin and the power of sin in your life. Because if you have Christ, you have the freedom to choose to live righteously. It doesn't mean that, that, that if you are free in Christ that you will not get sucked back into some level of legalism because you know what? Legalism just feels good because you know at the end of the day, if I can show people that I have done this list of things, they will think better of me. And I need people's approval. And I need to feel like I'm actually, do, I'm actually I'm checking the boxes. Listen, slavery, legalism, addictions, sin, it's more comfortable it's more comfortable for our souls at times. But until we walk in the freedom and the goodness of Christ and truly experience the fullness of what the freedom of Christ gives to us, we will be tempted to go back. Every single one of us will be tempted at some point to go back to living as a slave. And that's why he, Paul says in that last phrase, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Listen, there is a great choice before us. Choose freedom or choose slavery. Choose the gospel, choose Jesus, or choose the law, or choose the way of men. But you have a choice. Choose freedom and stand firm. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. And that is, that is the promise. That is the guarantee. And no matter where you are this morning, the opportunity and the offer for freedom in your life, freedom from sin, the condemnation of sin, the power of sin, freedom of, of spiritual influences over you, the freedom from the law and man's made religion in your life is offered before you this morning. Will you take it? I only have one question, one application question before we end, and that is this. Are you living in freedom or are you living in slavery? Are you living in freedom or are you living in slavery? If Christ has set you free, do you live like it?